double clacking every time the mouths open to scream. The clacking. It's April 27th, 2022. This is Rare Encounter, Encounter number 95. And podcasting till my brain falls out, I'm Abel Kirby. And blowing the speed limits like a whore on wheels, I'm cold acid. <laughs> Rider, baby. <laughs> there, there's a reason for it. And and I will I will I will address that with the following statement. Fuck transit. Fuck transit, man. What's wrong with transit, though? I like transit. Also, also, fu- fuck these slow-ass drivers who, who like, try and do, like, 10 under the limit when going downhill. Mm-hmm. All right? You know who you are, motherfucker. I will cut off your balls and feed it to the sharks. Sharks? God. That's rough, man. That's hardcore. Man, I could I could have been home two minutes earlier with my burrito if it wasn't for that motherfucker. Oh, Lord. So how would you fix this problem? And I mean, like, twice this week, twice this week, has my commute been held up for an inordinate amount of time because of some mechanical problems on the Toronto subway system. Hmm. Twice. Twice, man. So what kind of mechanical problems? In one week. What's going wrong? On different lines. Did it fall off the tracks? No, it didn't fall off the tracks. Today was signal problems. Uh, yesterday was some sort of mechanical problem that they didn't describe. And then on top of that, there's a uh, there's a rail worker strike, and uh, the strikers are picketing bus stations for Go Transit for some reason. Bus I don't stations. know why they're picketing the bus stations, but they're making uh, they're making the regional bus service shitty. Instead of the train service, which, on the other hand, I am slightly thankful for because they could have made my commute yesterday even more hellish. So what do you do about this? Do you paint the roads in uh, with lube or something? Oil slick so everyone slides down the hill instead of driving? I scream like a banshee. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I gross about it online because that's what I do, and I do it well. Well, I know of two ways you can do that. First, the first way uh, is you can put some uh, cherries and berries on top of your car. Those flashers, police flashers, just turn those on and people get out of your way. That works pretty well. Um, you know what? When you say police flashers, but when I hear police flashers, you know what I think of? I don't think of the lights on top of the police cars. I think of, I think of the I think of the strippers. <laughs> I think of that episode of Cops uh, where everyone has to take their clothes off. <laughs> No one was arrested. I didn't see that one. I need to. No one was arrested uh, well, with Well, actually, no. Actually, I'm going to hold off on saying that because some of the people I've seen on Cops, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about, like, the uh, people who the cops are going to see, but also some of the cops themselves, I don't want to see them with their clothes off. Oh, I understand. No, my eyes can't take that. Ooh. Was that your, uh, was that your beer opening? That... Your cider, Haritos? That is my Haritos. Haritos. <laughs> I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking any alcohol this week. I had a t- I had the tooth out on uh, on Saturday, and holy fuck, did they get me tripping? Jeez. So tell me the whole story. What happened? 
or or so or so I or so I wish to believe because honestly I don't remember anything except for little little vignettes here and there from when they stuck the stuck the IV for the sedation fluid in my arm to watching a movie on my brother's couch that <laughs> afternoon. Jeez, it was that bad, huh? It was, they they gave me some good shit. Yeah. What can I say? I mean, like, if I can't remember the process of them, like, fucking around in my mouth and cutting open my gums to extract this uh, tooth that was under there, then it's like, you know, uh, all right, I'd, 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 I still got some soreness, and I really shouldn't even be drinking the Jaritos because it's carbonated, but, I mean... Mm. Little bit at a time. I'm I'm going back to my abnormal uh, from uh, from being a good little post op uh, patient. Did you put the burrito in a blender? Fuck no. <laughs> Not that bad then. Why Why would anyone do that? If so, you just want, if you just want the ingredients all fucking mixed up, get one of those burrito bowls. <laughs> because that's essentially the same shit. Uh, I was thinking you could drink it. No, man. Straw. If it if it it is if it is not properly wrapped in that tortilla, no, then like fuck it, no show, no deal, no burrito. Yeah. Oh lord. Burrito or bust. So you're feeling better now, then? It's oh, not, I don't know about better, but uh, it sounds like you're you're. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not tripping balls. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> It's uh, usually, usually, actually, yeah, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> it's a hard it could one. Could go either way. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a hard one. Yeah, definitely. Oh man! So I got a uh, just a beer, normal beer. It's not even worth mentioning. Um, beer, beer, beer. Yeah. And uh, looking at uh, some cool stuff in the rundown today. Uh, a couple things. I know you have a bunch of topics we couldn't even get to last week. I got stuff to talk about, but before we get in, and I got stuff that w that's been added since last week too. Uh huh. A couple of things that need to bring up. Why don't we start that's with so cool? Why don't we start with the pre-show boosts and uh, then roll into one of your topics? You mean boost? Boost. That's all there is. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. We we only got we only got one, and that makes Booberry our executive producer for tonight's episode. He Oops. sent us in forty four forty four of Roa Double Ducks uh, just <laughs> after last week's episode with a correction, and I will let you read the correction out. Right. The correction is Kyle Odom says Booberry didn't kill anyone. I think I mistakenly said he killed a guy. What I should have said is he shot a guy. Um, Tim Remington, who is the man who was shot, survived the six forty-five hollow points, and he had some uh, description, five in the back and one in the head. Kyle shot him with and went on to be elected to the House of Representatives in Idaho in 2020. And he gives a link to a Spokesman.com article on Autumn uh, or Odom pleading guilty, and I think that one deserves to be in the show notes. Yep, I will make sure it gets stuck in there. Now, when I read this originally, I didn't, I didn't realize that there was not a period after the closing parenthesis. So as I, as I read it, I read, Kyle shot him and went on to be elected to the House of Representatives. <laughs> I read the same thing! <laughs> I, 
I it took me a second. <laughs> I had to go back and look. Uh, so the because uh, I thought he was in jail. That he says he's elected. So I don't know. It's no, no. Kyle Autumn was not elected. Tim Remington was the victim. Was elected. Yeah, the survivor. That would be pr- that would be pretty wild. Shooting somebody and then like. Hey, you shot somebody. Let's let's elect you to office. Well, you know, some people they can shoot someone. I think on... that would, yeah, that would definitely be sending the wrong message, wouldn't it? There's some people who could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and they wouldn't lose any support. So I've heard. That's true. <laughs> yes. So that makes boobs. Are there, there's some there's some people who there's some people who could have somebody killed and would gain more support. Indeed. Although that would mainly be because nobody else would want to get killed. Hmm, yes. Yeah. Well, we uh, that puts Boobery at our uh, executive producer for today. Thank you, Boobery. And uh, this is Thanks, how, boobs. how you can get in the running to be a uh, executive producer of this show, is you have to boost before the episode starts, between episodes even. We read all the stuff between shows uh, right at the top, and then at the end of Rare Encounter, we're going to read the stuff that came in during the show. And the only way to show up at the end of the show is to boost while we're recording live. So you can hit that live tag with your podcasting 2.0 app. Uh, you can stream some sats and send us some boosts. And if you do, we'll read your messages. If you yeah. if your podcast app doesn't let you send boostograms, uh, then get a better one. At a yeah, nude, go nude, to nudepodcastapps.com. Nudepodcastapps.com. You know what? You know what we need? We need Dame Jennifer to do to do like a recording of saying nudepodcastapps.com in that in that sexy announcerist voice that she does. Dame Jennifer, could you give me a nude podcast app, please? I, I asked her. Do you think she heard me? <laughs> I don't know. Does she listen to our show? I have no idea. All right. Um, you want to roll forward? What do you got for me? Yeah. What do I got? I've got. I've got millennia old excuses for skipping work. Okay. Yeah. So apparent apparently apparently the the Egyptians were such great record keepers that they even carved into their tablets the excuses people had for missing work. <laughs> okay. So I came I came across this thanks to uh, thanks to Hacker News, and I was like, wow, this sounds like something that should be on Hog Story, but. I don't think it will be, so I'm gonna scoop it. Hey, scoop! Because hey, excuses excuses for missing work is always fun to to hear what people come up with. What kind of things do these guys say? The Nile flooded. I can't make it, boss. The Nile flooded today. <laughs> well, uh, the scorpion bit him. Uh-oh. Busy brewing beer, which in ancient Egypt was serious business. His wife was bleeding. Okay. Yes. Well, that's menstruation. Apparently, I guess in ancient Egypt, if your wife is menstruating, you can't go to work. Huh. I don't know how that works, but apparently it does. Well, it depends on who you ask. They might want to go to work. Yeah. Here's something neat, too. The The British Museum has this tablet, and in fact, the inscriptions are translated on there. So let's see. Uh, I'll read through some of these. Drinking with Konsu, with his boss, his daughter was bleeding, offering to the god, libating to his father, ill, of course, that one always comes up, wrapping the corpse of his mother. Oh, Lord. 
Fetching stone for the scribe. Okay. His mother was ill. Okay. Burying the god. Wait a minute. Brewing beer, of course. Offering to the god. Some of these sound pretty good. You could use them today. Yeah. With Horemwia. With Hans making remedies. Making remedies for the scribe's wife. <laughs> making remedies. Embalming Hormos. <laughs> suffering with his eye. Hey! That's a cool sounding one. I can't come in, but I'm suffering with my eye. Suffering with his eye also sounds like it could be a band name. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Strengthening the door. St okay, this is a good one, too. This is great. Fetching stone for Kenherkeshef. What is this? Warning his son. What is this stone they're always fetching? I don't know, but there's they're stone, apparently. You gotta, you gotta fetch these stones, man. God. Okay. Yeah. Burying the God also sounds like it would be a cool band name. Fetch that stone, man. Carved Lanes, I think, appreciate some of this. <laughs> oh, there you go. I see the link. 3, Fetching the stone. The new, the new album from... The new album from Burying the God. With their hit single, Suffering with His Eye. <laughs> Good. This is great. <laughs> is this, um, oh, look, it's one of these weird yeah, ship it stones. It looks kind of like Minnesota. <laughs> That's fun. Brewing yeah, beer. Yeah, now that you mention it, it does kind of have that shape. I can see where Lake Superior is supposed to be. So why do you think they wrote all these yeah, excuses I mean, that's, down? Uh, that's, is there, well, somebody had to. <laughs> it's just someone was bored and they're writing down, hey, check this, I'm going to keep a list of all the stupid shit he's uh, calling out for. Egypt. Appar apparently they, they did keep track of, uh, of uh, how many days you worked, I guess, when, uh, when the Nile was low and there was no actual farming to do. Or when it was high and there was no actual farming to do. And it was time for everybody to go build a pyramid. Maybe that's what the stones were for. Fetching stones. Could be. That's a great story. That's a lot of great, uh, I, I'd say three things material right there. Yeah, well, you know you know what? I mean, next time, next time I don't want to go to work, uh, I'll just have a scorpion bite me, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, held by the British Museum and dated to 1250 BCE. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, I got a couple things. Uh, let me throw one of my stories yeah. in next. Um, I got something that yeah, might, be, in. might be fun right off the top. I've got this uh, NES synthesizer, which is a little, little bit of a throwaway uh, bit, but we talked about retro stuff on here before. This is the NES SY37, and it's a so-called NES-inspired synth project, and it looks like an oscilloscope. You know, it looks like one of these old pieces of test equipment with a screen on it, though I think the screen's a uh, an LCD, you know, a newer format. It's not a, it's not a CRT, and it's got some, uh, looks like drum pattern lights, and it has a plug-in keyboard, and it turns out you can actually play an NES game on it. And so, just the look of this thing, it's as much in the style of the NES with its uh, vis visual appearance as it is uh, the way it sounds. And I went and picked a little clip of this uh, so we can listen dude, to... Dude, the keyboard? Yeah, with the, the orange keyboard keys. Cable? The keyboard cable, yeah. Dude, the, 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 ca the cable connector 
That is that is the NES connector uh, uh, plug there. Yeah, and it has an A that and B cool. button. It has an A and B button on the on the keyboard. Nice. Yeah, this let me, is cool. Let me play some of the music so you can hear. This is kind of what it sounds like. I'll put this on. Here's uh, some synth sounds. So this has the NES Poly Chiptune Synthesizer. Uh, it has a spring reverb effect. It has a Happiness L, which I believe is some part. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but it... Uh, oh, it says right here. It's a four-voice multi-track chiptune synth. Um, it's inspired by one of these sound chips, and I think that was the one that was in the NES, the RP2A07. And yeah, you can hear he's playing a little, little Hyrule at the end there. They also it's have Zelda. They yeah, they have a um, slot you can actually put an NES cartridge in and actually play the game on the uh, instrument. You put an NES cartridge right that? there. I I think I can hear I think I can hear Carblane's uh, pre-ordering one. <laughs> now I can't guarantee if it's going to be good or bad. It looks kind of hokey uh, when he's using it because he keeps changing back and forth between playing the game and playing music. So it seems like. You know, I, I, you'd wish it was a serious instrument, but the way that it's marketed, it's like, hey, you can, it's just like a, uh, something that might be cool to have in your living room, not to actually use for music, unfortunately. I don't know, maybe you're hardcore and you can use it, but I, I think you might have to mic it because it looks like it just has a speaker on the front. Actually, I'm not even sure if this is something you can, I don't think this is something you can actually buy. This is something that this dude just put together. This is like his blog or something. Oh, yeah, that might be it. Uh, I don't think there is a way. It's just this guy, Love uh, Hulton, I think is his name, um, posted it on YouTube. So it was a cool project. And a lot of people make cool shit and post it on YouTube. If you watch the whole video, you can see when uh, you play the keyboard, there's a visualization uh, that displays on the screen with some retro graphics. And uh, I don't know what changing the cart does for the... Uh, for the sounds you can get out of it, I, as far as I know, it probably it's not doesn't like, do anything for that. It's probably just for playing the games. Yeah, and I think that you know some carts later on they had samples embedded in them. Uh, I don't think that was the case for the NES, but I, I'm not sure about that though. Yeah, I think the I think the NES predated the era where you'd have something like that. If you had, if you had samples in the ROM it wasn't it wouldn't really be a sample it'd be a bit of code that would drive the sound chip in a way that would be like using an actual sample but yeah. would just be feeding like raw data right in so I just thought this was cool I wanted to share it with everyone uh, we'll have the picture some pictures of it maybe in the show notes and a link to it you can go watch it uh, very nice photo shoot though you it. should check out some of the other the other stuff that he's got there on his uh, on his website. Some of these, like wood grain Mac, like wood grain classic Mac, and all sorts of other all sorts of other neat uh, things that he's uh, that he's put together. Yeah, 
There's really some cool just going through it. Neat like suitcase synthesizers yeah. where the top flips up. You know, uh, it looks like it packs up uh, in the way some of this old equipment used to, you know, so it, it basically is the form factor of a instrument case or a suitcase, but then you can put legs on the bottom and flip the top over. Now you have a keyboard with some controls on the front. So some just cool stuff. Yep. I seen that one. The other one where there's one where it's like a, uh, it's like a tape, one of those tape drives for, uh, for mainframes. Well, there's that one he's, of, uh, that he's rigged up. There's one the chattering teeth. <laughs> That's what I wanted A to go chattering to. teeth synth. Jesus Christ. Okay. That, I don't know if that's awesome or just creepy as fuck. Uh, that is that is like that is like trippy oh, dream God. sort of look to it. It screams! It screams when you play it. Wait a minute! I did. I should have clipped this one. Oh my God! It I does. I saw it and I never played it. Oh, I see. Yeah, play it. You play it on your end. If you can. If you can't, that's no big deal. I should. I'm going I, to if it if it <laughs> if it loads. Oh, here we go. Oh, it's uh, thank God for buffering. That's fucking. That was already freaking me the fuck out. Oh my God, this is the best thing I've seen all day. Uh, more, more of it, and more of it. Look, here we go. sleep tonight <laughs> that was great oh my god this thing is crazy oh my god <laughs> this oh. guy is crazy putting together something like this oh my god yeah why why no i perused his stuff i didn't see this and the clacking the uh, the the god awful clacking every time the mouth opened a scream. The clacking. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh my god. I, I can't stop, and I can't take anymore. I, it's it's too much. That is that is that is. That is amazing and terrible at the same time. <laughs> oh god. That is that is like that is nightmare fuel. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that What what are we doing, man? Of course the chattering teeth were invented by Eddie Goldfarb, who we featured on this show, by the way. Just to tie everything together. Uh they're called the uh, yakety teeth or something. <laughs> the yakety teeth. Clint I can't sleep. Teeth'll sing at me. The <laughs> teeth will sing at me. <laughs> no. Oh God! <laughs> well, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> well, that happened. Let's uh, let's go down uh, to it. Let's move on for a second. I gotta, I gotta catch I, my I got, breath. <laughs> while we're while we're on the topic of these electronic things, we got, I got more. Yeah, I got hit, more hit electronic me. stuff. Hit me. Yeah. So, uh, where is it? Where'd it go? Where'd, Where'd it go? go? I had it here. I had it here somewhere. Where'd it go? Uh, um, I'm just filling time. Ah, here call? we go. <laughs> Calculating pi digits on the first Intel microprocessor. Hit me. So this guy did a thing. What kind of? Th oh. So I yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. I muted myself, so okay. I didn't. So I didn't so talk he, over you. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy 
took a uh, took an Intel 4004 a CPU with their first their first microprocessor that was designed for like a four function calculator and used it to calculate digits of pi because he could essentially so the C the CPU itself is ridiculously basic it can add and subtract 4-bit operands, it can invert, and it can rotate. What That's does, it. What's a rotation mean? Okay, so rotation is where, essentially, you pull one bit off the end and put it on the other end. Oh, a, a cyclical so if you shift. Got like, yeah, so if you got, like, 1010 zero, one, zero, and you do, a, you do a rotate on it, now you have 0101. Right. Um, right. I call I've some of the stuff I use that's called a circ shift or a circular shift. Yeah. Well, rotate seems to be the uh, the typical parlance in uh, in the case of uh, Intel processors. And as I see it, there's a difference between shifts and rotates because a rotate actually like with a shift you can push you can push a byte in or pull one out. Right. You can. Which, I mean, that's essentially rotate with carry, right? In in another sense. Or you can just, like, sh you can just shift ones in or zeros in. But uh, but essentially, like, it's... it's rotate just, like, the whole, the whole thing just rotates one way or the other. Whereas a shift is you're actually, like, pushing something in and... Whatever, and something gets pushed off the end, mm -hmm. right? Uh, well, I guess, I guess, I mean, like you and I, we can probably, we can probably talk about this for hours on end into all the intricacies of rotates and shifts. But I don't think that would make for for a very good podcast for other people to listen, unless they're just as like nerdy as we are, which they might be, but I don't think they all are. Mm. No, I love me some bitwise operations. Yeah, bitwise operations can be uh, can be pretty nice. Mm -hmm. By the way, you know how we, you know how easy it is to to subtract uh, subtract binary numbers with all you all you need to do all you need to do is uh, is like to do a minus b. You do a plus not b plus one. In other words, you you turn on the carry bit. Mm -hmm. And there you go. Because you end up with the two's complement after that, right? Exactly. Because, yeah, not, not, not x plus 1 is the, is the two's complement uh, for the negative version of x. Yes. You know what? I ran into this the other day because I had to do a bunch of uh, bitwise massaging of data um, for project uh, professional stuff. And what I was trying to do was just get... Oh, okay, if I had 32 bits of a signed integer, all I want to do is display what the number is really fast. And so what I found out is the first, like, top 10 links for trying to do that, you know, if you want to convert binary to decimal, that's easy. There's 100 websites to do it. And there was only one I found out. I wish I could remember the name. It's bookmarked at work uh, that you could, it had this great array of tools where you could put in a bit pattern uh, or you could type it in in hex or whatever. And then it had a matrix of all the different ways it could be interpreted and it 
you know, populated them all at once. So I said, oh, if this was an unsigned uh, something, it'd be this way. If it was a float, it'd be that number. And it just gave you the answer, like, fast, without any ads or pop-ups or annoying shit in the middle. And uh, that turned into... I referenced that website a billion times. You know, it was just... Uh, not a, I probably referenced it a hundred times, but the um, just the the little tool widget that you that lets you do that was uh, very hard to find, surprisingly hard to find for something that should have been common, and it made me lose a little faith in the, the search engine I was using. For for me, it's because I keep playing around with uh, this program called Logic Circuit, and. I keep going back to NAND game every so often. NAND. Uh, simply, simply because I, I don't know. I've got some sort of like sexual fetish for using logic to make my own uh, ALU or something. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I keep, I keep coming around to that. And what? anyway, getting back <laughs> on, getting back on topic before, before we end up spending the, spending like two hours. No, no. Tell getting into getting into like CPU nitty gritties. <laughs> I I'd love yeah. I mean I'd love to talk about that, but I'm I'm in an exclusive or relationship, so. Hello. Hello. Okay. <laughs> I had to get it in. <laughs> so so here's here's the thing. Like the the four the four double o four very basic CPU. Uh, it has a twelve bit uh, program counter, so you can. So you can only address uh, four kilobytes of uh, of program data, and yeah. in to in total, the amount of addressable RAM is ten kilobytes or ten yeah ten kilobits. Bits even. Bits. Doesn't that end yeah. up with a uh, strange number of bits? Like that uh, doesn't fit into a nibble or a byte. No, no, it would. Oh. Kilobits. Do, do the math, man. Do the math. Kilobits. Divide divide ten thousand two hundred forty by eight. Yeah, um, I I know what you mean. It's because it's uh ten twenty four per bytes per kilo per kilo bit. Yeah. Yep, I got it. But anyway, this Took guy this yeah. So this guy decided he was going to take this simple the simple uh, method for calculating the digits of pi well he's says it's simple and then you see all these uh, all these expressions with the uh, with the sum of character in them and a series of numbers and series of fractions and well I don't know it, it depends on how much of a how strong you are in like actual maths compared to compared to like computer programming right I I'm I am good with computer. I am not as good with these pure mathematical formula. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he he comes up with like, okay, how how are we going to evaluate pi digit by digit? And at that, in uh, in like radix two or like binary, right? Okay. So he he figured out how to how to do this how many digits can actually be calculated and amazingly amazingly you could get up to uh you could get up to 279 uh digits 
but uh, by li by limiting by limiting to uh, twelve bit twelve bit uh, values, uh, you can get two hundred fifty five uh, digits of pi, and still have forty bits of uh, of scratch in memory. So cool. it's pretty neat. He 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 wrote up the the listing and everything here, and also shows how he built a real hardware system that you could plug a four double oh four into to run the program. So he, this guy this guy was actually taking it uh, was actually taking it pretty far. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, most of us would be like, hey, I I wrote this program. I could I could simulate it and it seems pretty cool. No, this guy went the extra mile and actually put chips on boards so that he could actually run the program itself. Well, that's cool. Uh, so yeah. So how you want to know how long it took? Yeah, how long? Three hours, thirty-one minutes, and thirteen seconds. And and what kind three, of three three one one three? What kind of um. That's close. The, the um, what kind of method was he using for the numerical method? Uh, does it say if it was? I presume it's an iterative method if it's taking that long. Uh, to quote, we would use Horner's method to evaluate Leibniz Pius formula after Euler transform and another simple series transformation. Hmm. You mean Euler's transform? Yeah, I, I know what he's doing then. Yeah. The, uh, the spigot algorithm of Stan Wagen and Stanley Rabinowitz is something else he says in the paragraph right above. So that's the actual implementation. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, to calculate 255 digits of pi took over three and a half hours. Meanwhile, on his old PC, he says, one of the first from the one of the ones from the first generation of Xeon processors. 25 million digits of pi could be calculated in about one second. Yep. It sounds about so, right. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, quite the, uh, that's quite the ratio there. Now, of course, as programmers, we know that the best way to calculate pi is to make one calculation and then save it somewhere <laughs> instead of trying to calculate it every time you need to use it. Yep, and in fact, that is something that pretty much every... FPU has built in somewhere uh, as one as a table of constants. You'll find that you'll find you'll find log in there as well. Mm -hmm. a bunch a bunch of others. There's actually there's actually something like I think ten different constants built into the x eighty seven series, like well the eight oh eight seven FPU itself. And probably today there's like hundreds of them in your in your average FPU area of the die on a uh, microprocessor. Yeah. Um, if it was the eighty seven was the floating point um, processor. Yeah, it was the floating point coprocessor for the eighty eighty six, and could also be used with the. Uh, 8186 and I believe also the 8286 although if you had the uh, 80286 Intel would have preferred you get the uh, 287 instead 
Now, if I remember right, the uh, that FPU had a problem with the Pi register inside it, where it would actually give yeah. crappy. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember what the the origin was, but it would it would give you it it was an insufficiently precise um, uh, approximation of Pi for the kind of processing, so you didn't get full resolution. You know, because it turns out that in order to get good results on trigonometric functions, you know, so where you want the full range of all the bits in a floating point number, you want the full mantissa to be correct, you need to have a shitload more bits of pi uh, when you're doing trig. So you can't just have the same number of bits of pi uh, that you have for the the values you're operating on you have to way over specify it to uh to deal oh, with this I, thing. Oh, I bet I know I bet I know what uh, what you're getting at now. <clears throat> I bet that the the 8087 uh, had a 64-bit uh, constant for pi instead of the full 80 the instead of the full 80-bit uh, constant that you'd expect for its for how it actually did the calculations. Yes. Because well, <clears throat> because while it exposed 64 bits for for inputs and outputs, it actually used 80-bit resolution for doing the math. Yes. And so you'd end up with tiny little errors, but uh, when you're doing numerical methods, the amount of errors in your approximation grow really fast if you're if you're making them over and over and over again and, and accumulating them. So it was... Uh, someone figured it out, you know, it was years after it was... Uh, already uh, obsolete i think is the story and i'm trying to remember where the damn article was i think we covered it on the show a year ago or i pro i might have mentioned it once because we were talking about cpu uh, flaws uh like that intel uh, processor that did the vision wrong you know i bet i bet it's something we saw on ken sheriff's blog uh could have been because i just pulled i just pulled up his blog again about uh when he was Yanking out the ROM constants from the 8087. Hmm. That sound familiar? This and I, I came across uh, uh, on Retro Computing Stack Exchange, somebody asked about a uh, about a restriction on partial tangent and partial arc tangent functions, where the uh, the operand had to be less than one fourth of pi. I wonder if that's, does it say that's due to that? I think they're just saying you have to be away from the, um, because if I remember right, arc tangents and tangents have a, once you get to 90 degrees, you know, the tangent goes to, uh, there's a, it actually, I'm trying to remember which way it goes, but there's a, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> you draw a dotted line on the chart. Uh, it's, uh, this it's guy, undefined This guy there. who answered, hold on, this guy who answered said that the, 8087 did not include sine and cosine calculations. Yeah, I can believe that. Those are hard to do. The but it had but it had tangents, so you'd have to you'd have to do the screwing about to to determine cosine and sine from tangent or cotangent. Mm -hmm. That's pretty screwy. Yeah. Well, if you want to get usually the the hardware. If you like, if you really want to talk about accurate computing, you don't usually use the approximations in the hardware. You go and and do it yourself 
because they, especially in GPUs, they'll do, they're designed for video games. And so they'll do things like have a sampled lookup table uh, that's pre-calculated for all these different values of tangent of X, right? And then they'll just kind of interpolate between them and, and give you the answer if you call, if you ask the processor for it. But if you want a more accurate result, you have to have your own approximation of it. You have to have your own method that's going to give you a better answer. Well, you're, say, you're saying doing the calculations with the GPU. And yeah, if you're, you don't do that unless it's just for like almost immediately going to display. But a good, a good FPU should be able to, should be able to handle this sort of thing. You know, Motorola, Motorola had a floating point unit coprocessor that, uh, that would go along with their uh, 68K chips up to the uh, up to the 68040, and they were they were considered like the best uh, the best FPUs on the market at that time because they were they did really good uh, calculations and then and then they decided that they don't want people to to use them with the 40 and the 60 and did some weird stuff where a bunch of transcendental functions were no longer available on die and you needed you needed like a code patch that would uh that would like pass those commands back to uh back to like what you've got loaded in ram instead yeah like we've had problems with changing these processors and math library even if you're just trusting the hardware to do stuff if you're doing scientific computing we've had problems where um, the customer expects that, oh, you have a piece of scientific uh, software. It's a, it's a um, uh, scientific computing piece of software. And so we're going to run it on this machine and we get a particular answer out to so many decimal places. But when we, we change the version or we use a different math library, you get a couple decimal places out, the, the answers start to diverge and it makes people uneasy. <laughs> so we've had yeah, to well, go for, to... First of all... First of all First of all, you've got the issue where even to even today, like uh, doubles are doubles are well supported, double double floating point numbers or the sixty four bit ones, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, even though even though it's specified in the IEEE, uh, was it seven fifty four? The well, the floating point the floating point standard of theirs, right? I think it's seven fifty four. Could be eight fifty four. Uh, seven forties. I yeah, it's one of those. I know what you mean. I've read it. <laughs> I read it yeah. once, and I never will read it again. It's not fun. They de they define they define like they define like the quadruple and I believe even octuple precision. Now, yeah, mm -hmm. and. So 128 and 256 bits, but there's almost no actual support for those in hardware or even in uh, in in like uh, programming languages and libraries, right? And so if you want if you want to have like a binary 128 or binary 256, you're dealing with uh, specialized hardware usually. Or you're dealing with somebody's like handwritten implementation to the same way there used to be the uh, floating point emulator libraries back in the back in the DOS days for people who didn't have a 486 
or newer, right? And so you either had you either had like the FPU there on the on the CPU with you, or you'd be like, uh, right, or you'd have like a separate version of a program that would use this library that would implement very slowly all the same all the same mathematical functions that you would get off the FPU. I think we're getting dangerously close to talking about blasts. And uh, if we do that, well, that'll be the rest of the show if you let me go. So I think we better move on. Blast? How about Cordic? Cordic? Uh, You've never heard of Cordic? I know what Cordic means. It means to the power of four. What do you think it means? Cordic does not mean to the power of four. Oh, it does. It sure does. To me, it does. Coordinate rotation digital computer. Coordinate rotation. No, that's I'm spelling... uh, Q-U-A-R-T-I-C. I'm spelling it Q-U-A-R-T-I-C. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's Re- resolved. That's something totally different. Yeah. Cordic is a is an algorithm for for trigonometric uh, trigonometric functions that uh, tended that tended to be like where you would start with doing uh, hardware implementations of the trigonomic methods. Yeah. I just like that we somehow got two different words that nobody has ever heard of <laughs> that are identical. It was a fun collision there. Well, they sound they sound identical, but they're not identical. They're homonyms. They're homonyms. Alright, I think we've I think we've bored our uh, our uh, listeners enough. Good job. How about a how about a change in topic? All right. What else do you got? I got a potato news. Oh, you know what that means? I gotta, I gotta switch this over. I need more. I need, I need to have like an entire big ass touch screen for for all of this. But we need a few good taters. It's potato news on rare encounter. Potatoes. Right. This is. The story about Geo Potato. Did you catch any of the news about Geo Potato? No, I haven't. Tell me about Geo Potato. Geo Potato is a product. Geo Metro Potato. <laughs> it's not a Geo Metro. It's a. Uh, it's by Bear. You know the company that bought Monsanto. Uh, they have. Oh, a... Bear, the chemical company that pretends to be a pharma company. Yes, they have a so-called data-driven potato blight detector. Uh, that's in use in Bangladesh. It is called Geo Potato. How about they put it to use in Prince Edward Island? Well, I don't know if it's... Com- oh, it's no, sorry, that's wart. not blight. That's just wart. That's wart. Um, this is for a particular kind of problem called late blight. Now, I used to watch late blight with Conan O'Brien, but I don't think this is the same thing. This is a problem in, in Bangladesh, uh, which... They say it's a fast-spreading disease that can devastate as much as 57% of their potato production each year. 57%. Yikes, that's a lot of potato. And it's hard to detect because it's a, it's like a late-on set, so it doesn't show up early. There's not a lot of warning signs. And Bayer has a set of trials that have been going on where they have basically a big data system where they, uh, they're they looking at weather conditions. They're looking at the... Um, 
the cycle of the disease and where it's coming, you know, where they think it's going to show up next is what they're trying to predict. And they send SMS messages to you. If I suppose if you subscribe to them, they don't, they don't say uh, what the price is or what the deal is, but it sounds Your like potatoes that, are at risk. Yeah. By receiving this message, you, you, uh, you accept all, you accept all costs, regular data, Data costs may apply. I imagine it's kind of like... Contact your phone company for more details. It's probably like StarCraft when there's, you know, nuclear launch detected. You know, it's potato blight detected. Something like that. You must, you must construct additional p potato fields. Go spray those taters, man. They're getting nasty. Yeah, spray spray you spray your taters with some Vespine gas. Yeah. Well, they might give you Vespine gas. I don't know. Here's the deal. They give you a text message that says, what is... Um, that you have an area that is at risk and where it is and what the level of risk is. Uh, they do not give an example message. So I'm trying to read between the lines and what actually happens here. And they also tell you, and maybe this is the tie-in to bear, they tell you what to spray your crop with. And I don't, I didn't know that selecting the right um, treatment was something you get from a text message but i guess you know obviously they're going to tell you to go use a bear product that's my takeaway what an age we live in yeah so they have um some testimonials from uh from people uh farmers in bangladesh and they say compared to the last two to four years this year's yield is much better in addition we have updated our old preconceptions we used to think the yield would go down if we sp sprayed melody duo or secure in the middle of the season. And they're talking about these two treatments that they could spray on their potatoes to try and deal with this. And uh, they said, no, but when we sprayed it, according to the recommendation from Bear, uh, it said there was no problem. So I'm mixed on this. Uh, it sounds like they had some big increases in yield. Uh, they cited 26% increase in yield after doing this process. It, and... <laughs> From the 10,000-foot view, yeah, it's probably, for for something like late blight, which I don't know much about other than what I've read in these articles, um, it's hard to detect and it's hard to get ahead of unless you have some special insight. And that's what GeoPotato is offering is they're tracking the conditions which lend themselves to potato uh, to late blight and then alerting you when those are happening in one of your areas so you can go deal with it. And I suppose if you weren't paying attention or you weren't, you didn't have that visibility or that experience that maybe mm, it's a big help, but I'm not a potato farmer. As far as I know, this is so, especially when you look at 57% of potato production lost. Uh, now that's a high number, obviously bear is going to pick the highest number possible. So they look as good as they can, but you know, it, it can't be easy to identify and bypass and treat. So otherwise they yeah. would have done it by now. Right. So, well, well, even like, even like this last one that's here, like it's not, uh, it's not 57%, but I mean, he got, he got the year after he started, started using this, he went from, what's it? Uh, 10,000 whatever's worth of potato and then up to 15,000 worth. That's the Bengla right? Bangladeshi that's a, that's taka. That's a pretty, yeah. The Bangladeshi ah, taka, the taka is the TK, TK 10,000. 
and the taco. Okay, so taco. yeah, but I mean, he, I mean, that's like a that's a fifty percent increase in his viable yield, right? That's yeah. pretty damn nice. It, if you read the testimonial, it's just yeah. And even if I spent all of that on the uh, premium crop protection products, you know, by presumably by bear, it didn't matter because I made out, you know. So it's a little, it's a little bit of an ad too. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, in in the end, you run you run those numbers, and it sounds like it sounds like even with the additional even with the additional spend, right? He's still like put out put out ten to twenty percent of uh, of what he's getting uh, back extra from before, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, that is that is that is still like some some nice some nice additional profit. I'm I'm willing to put down if if I put down like uh, ten or twenty percent of of value to get like a full hundred, right? I mean, like that that's a good deal. I mean, I net net eighty to ninety, right? That's that's pretty fucking sweet. Yep. On the other hand, this is bear we're talking about, <laughs> and and I mean, they are they are one of the great sources of evil these days. They actually have a headline on their website, like their first header is called "This is Bear," and I read it just as you said it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. If well, you... I mean, look look at look at their history. Look at their history, right? I mean, I mean, Bear is not a nice company. They were part of Ib Farben, uh, in the lead up. To and through World War II, and yep. well, you know what I.B. Farben's best known for, right? Things like Zyklon B. Yep. Right. Uh, and I mean, like they—they they started off, if I'm not mistaken, they started off making like dyes and and other like poisonous chemicals out of like coal tar and stuff and bark. And then some, and somebody decided. Hey, what if what if we use these things that would normally kill people into something that we can make people want to take all the time? And that's how we ended up with aspirin, mm -hmm. right? I mean, uh, I'm not too hot on the on these big chemical companies uh, when they do things that aren't uh, like straight up and admitted deadly chemicals. Mm -hmm. Yep, and it's a multinational, so you gotta watch out for it. But yeah, there it is. There but is. I mean, that goes for any multinational. That's just that's just par for the course in that case. Yep. I'm just I'm just not comfortable with chemical companies that decide, oh, we want to play the pharma game and stuff like that, or we want we want to play the uh, we want to play like the food company game and all of this stuff. And it's like, can you really tr can you really trust that shit from from a company that like does its thing by like like processing hydrocarbons and like mine tailings and shit well you know dow corning never tried to feed me cough syrup so i think they're in the clear <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right there's your potato news wrap for rare encounter yeah you got now for me something else yeah, let's go on to let's go on to funny characters now. We both have we both have some stuff about that, but yes. I'm gonna start off with right angle with downward zigzag arrow. Is this which a is one of the stock market? This is a Unicode character. Okay. It is uh character hexadecimal 
237C, and it is in it is in section 22.7 of the Unicode standard. I see it. Technical symbols. And the weird thing is, nobody really understands how it got into Unicode or where it originated. Okay. Now here here's here's the thing about Unicode, right? It's supposed to cover all these all these characters that are that have been used in computing or otherwise in symbolic communication. But this one appeared to have come out of nowhere. It was never used before, and yet somehow ended up in Unicode. And in fact, there there's the possibility that it started in Unicode and then ended up in other in other symbol encoding projects like the Styx project. Hmm. So there's this whole there's this whole article. This guy like went through and tried to determine uh, what the origin and meaning of the character is. And and there's no there's no good answers out of, out of all the stuff that uh, all the stuff that he came up with, uh, asking asking somebody from from a uh, group that did manage like reg- character registries that eventually fed in, and everything either goes in goes in circles or it's like the these things existed before these projects and so could have come from there or vice versa. It's really weird. It kind of looks like a Nordic rune, uh, Billy Bones points out. Can it in be used fact, to ward off viruses? In fact, there is a chaos magic sigil, sigil that looks suspiciously familiar, apparently, accor- according to the other the other links at the bottom of the of the other page. Okay. And I just pasted the link into our chat for that sigil. The linking sigil. The linking sigil. The linking sigil, abbreviated as LS and called Ellis, is a sigil, a symbol used in magic, particularly chaos magic. Hmm. If so yeah, if you're if you're using if you're using this, then uh, then you're committing heresy and and like emperor forgive you yeah it kind of looks like um what do they call that it's not the compass the uh because it's got those three right angles drawn in isometric perspective you know it's i mean it kind of looks that's what i'm seeing you know i'm just telling you what i'm interpreting i see lines it's like a rorschach test or a Ro- Ro- how do you however you say his name Rorsch- nah, i don't know but how yeah to say the, the, the weird thing is like like where how did this how did this character show up in the first place? Looks like a troll. I don't know who so they never narrowed it down to a person. Did they narrow it down to an era or a standards group or sometime in the 90s. So for, first of all, uh the the uh, the proposal to add it into Unicode was from March 2000. And had origins in what's called the Sticks Project, okay, which was a uh, which was a project from the American Mathematical Society uh, for fonts and glyphs related to mathematics. Mm-hmm. But apparently, apparently from there, it came it came into there from a uh, 
from a uh, another another uh, document uh, SGML entity sets uh, ISO IEC uh, technical report 9573-13 1991 hmm. so appar apparently apparently this this document was from 1991 or possibly from December 2003 but the 2003 this character was already in unicode and uh and so like yeah where did it come from there it's uh where did it come so from so now so now we're back to now we go further back to the uh to the SGML standard ISO 8879 1988 well, it goes back and to the 80s yeah into the 80s and we find we find that the character here no longer does not exist at this point in annex d of of ISO 8879 1986 there is uh there's a added math symbols uh collection uh and it's not in there okay but this isn't a math so symbol it, though mathematical uh symbols why it ended up in technical symbols i don't know this like this is this this was a rabbit hole jeez and like even just going through it again i'm i'm just getting more confused reading through this uh again never mind the when i read it originally last week ahead of our show last week you know yeah it's like you could interpret this a couple different ways. You know, it almost looks like this is an arrow that's spiraling around the, uh, this, uh, this right around angle. the origin point. It's it's spiraling the Y axis towards the origin. Yeah. So it could be a knot, you know, it, it could, could be instructions. Be. And if you look, if you look at it, how it is in different fonts, uh, so it, Noto Sans, uh, is uh, is a font that includes it, and instead of it being jagged, it is actually the the edges of the of the zigzag are actually rounded. So that's even more ropey. Hmm. I don't know what to say. But yeah, it's really weird, man. And it's a rabbit hole. The more I the more I the more I look at it, the weirder it gets, and the more I think there's like some sort of I don't know. Uh, math glyph conspiracy going on i think it looks like a window like a window in a house and there's a lightning bolt coming through it that would suck too imagine <laughs> imagine open you open your window and then you get zapped by you get zapped by like lightning font lightning font oh uh, well it kind of looks like a lightning it's the blitz font yeah oh man all right well that that's my that's my crazy character stuff <laughs> Now let's go on. Let's go on to your letter G. Oh, my letter G! I was looking for uh, some stupid pun. I was trying to come up with for a song, and uh, it was just I was looking for the name of an animal that starts with G. And so, of course, I searched for that, and instead of getting uh, a list of G animals, I got a list of animal Gs. <laughs> and this story is from Alphabetimals. 
dot com and they have uh some basically some fonts where the characters uh the glyphs and the fonts are misshapen animals uh and so the one at the top is a giraffe that is a uh hold on a second i just read this text above it (laughs) click the animal to hear its sound and its name to hear it said out loud (laughs) oh no that's a giraffe that's giraffe. A, that's its sound? That's not its yeah. sound. That's the sound I make it's when I'm eating. It's a, that's, yeah, that's the sound of it eating something. I got sick of buffalo giraffe. wings. I got sick of buffalo wings, so I eat the celery. That's what I sound like. I mean, no well, you want to hear what a gecko sounds like? Hit me. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> How about a gazelle? Okay. I'm not sure. Here's one that we should recognize. Hey, it's a goat. G for goat. What about goldfish? Hit me with a goldfish. Oh, there's the screaming goat. Hit me with a goldfish. There is a goldfish. Hold on. Let's hear what a goldfish sounds like. Oh, God. So there you go. This is a... A a goose. A goose. G for goose. Yeah. G for gorilla. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I gotta hear that again. <laughs> that had that had to be some dude in a in a room making ooh ooh sounds. Ooh ooh sounds. That couldn't man. be an actual gorilla. <laughs> oh no! So we have a couple of these uh, different animals you can select from. You got every letter of the English alphabet. You can click on from A to Z. There, there's one more here. There's one more here on for G's. Guinea pig. Well, that sounds like it's afraid. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you be afraid as well if somebody was trying to record you and turn you into a letter of the alphabet? No, oh, don't turn me into a letter. I can't do that. I can't go back. <laughs> okay. All right, that was the throwaway story. All right, um, we're coming up on a little over an hour here. You want to maybe do a last story, or uh, we got to do some podcasts? Actually, we got to do some podcasts. We skipped. We the do got to do before. some podcasts, but uh, oh yeah, I think I think uh, I think that's uh, that's pretty good. Okay. I had I had some other stuff that I I was interested in uh, in bringing up, but it's nothing. It's nothing that can't be push to later on uh definitely definitely some interesting stuff but more historical and so it's not something it's not something that feels timely it's something that can be done anytime because i mean it's already been done right we're just gonna we're just gonna talk a bit about it again some Uh, point you know so i'm not worried about it well talking of talking about other things that have been done we have some podcasts that have come out in the last week uh, we have Hog Story had their episode 285 called Stay 680. Stay 680. Don't go 680. Stay 680. Stay a while 680. Stay a while 680. Um, the 680 AM is a talk station in <laughs> on WRKO in Boston. Okay. Uh, behind the skins. It's a, it's a, it's a 24 hour news station here in the Toronto area. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it is here. I gotta get a an AM radio and 
poke around Ohio's airwaves. I think there's better AM pickings here than uh, than some of the other places I lived. Um, behind the Schemes had their episode 94 entitled The. 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 Uh, Angry Tech News. Angry Tech News. Dropping shows right in the middle of our show. Uh, we had Angry Tech News number 31, Mute Gatekeeper. And I listened to that in the shower uh, this morning, like I always do. And You uh, listen You listen to Sir Bemrose in the shower. How does that make you feel, Sir Bemrose? I listen to Sir Bemrose while I'm in the shower, actually. I don't listen to him while he's in the shower. That doesn't make it any better. <laughs> Just think about that, Bemrose. I'm always naked. And Angry Tech News, uh, number 32, I have not listened to yet because it dropped right in the middle of our show. So I guess that makes it a Wednesday release. Uh, it is called Absolutist Spark. So I'm sure that's a good one, too. Everyone who's not listening to Angry Tech News needs to get on that and uh, get the tech news, the oozy newsy goodness. Bowl After Bowl, of course, had uh, episode 154. I was on that one. That was Bowls with Buds. My Woo! second time on there. And we had a lot of fun. Nice. You can check that out. And I don't know why, after hearing this show, why you'd want to listen to me more. But uh, if you are because, so inclined. Because some, pe- because some people are just masochistic that way. Yep. And they don't even have the clothes for it. Um, number 155 just came out, too. That was Toe Cologne, T-O-W. But I think Toe, T-O-E, Cologne is also a fun idea. <laughs> Uh, Toe Cologne with an E might actually be better than with a W in that case because you know how you know smelly people's feet get they could use a bit of cologne I could use Toe Cologne man rub it right on those hairy knuckles man that that touches closer to home than you think we had uh, some lot of fun at the Kansas City uh, KCMO Bitcoin block party Uh, we did a bunch of stuff yeah you gotta you gotta talk about that man uh, it's been talked about over and over and over by this point uh, not Abel on our craft, show Abelcraft, we did a whole episode of it um yeah so we went i went to kansas city and uh, i got stuck going around the long way around indianapolis because i forgot that i-70 was closed uh and that's a little fun fact for those travelers out there um if you're if you're taking uh, i-70 take the south route not the north route uh for the detour don't go to chicago <laughs> Um, and Kansas City, Missouri is a happening place. I haven't been there in a couple years now, so it was fun to go back and uh, get some good barbecue and uh, saw some fun stuff just driving around uh, in the city, you know, briefly. And then we also got out to the country. Uh, uh, Spencer brought me out to his dad's place, and so we hung out there a little bit, uh, get the, you know, just uh, spend some time I with Spencer I brought you out to meet the rents, huh? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was just a hell of a time. Uh, those guys are great hosts, by the way. Uh, uh, and, you know, I was going to talk about some anime. We don't have to. It's already been recycled. And I talk about Strike Witches on here enough, so we don't have to go into that. The uh, last... Oh, I, ha- I, had some, I had some anime that I wanted to I wanted to bring up, but I'm going to save it for next week. Mainly, I just wanted to bring it up because of some screenshots that I took out of it that are pretty funny out of context and possibly still funny in context. I'll have the new episode of Spike's Family uh, digested by then. I didn't watch it because a lot of stuff going oh, on. But shame, shame, shame. I'll have that, and uh, so we'll do anime next episode then. The only last thing was I wanted to mention something which was overlooked in all of the previous Bitcoin block party uh, news, which is the little fact that the porta potties had a uh, had signs on them. They had the Ethereum logo on them. So some joker put ah! them on there. <laughs> so we can go 
add your proof of stake to the ETH blockchain uh, and uh, you just be just fine. Wash your hands when you're yeah. done. <laughs> well, you know, you know, we're porta potties is exactly where shit coins deserve to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got some uh, boosts that came in during the show. You want to hit those? Oh yeah, we got we got a few of them. All right, so let's let's start rolling. First one I see is uh, for seventy seven seventy seven sats from the uh, beautiful and wonderful Carolyn Blaney, and she says, "Dude, connect that cable. Super sevens break a leg." Okay. You take the next one. I cannot let's go be- back and forth. I cannot because oh. I did not get any during the show. Oh, I- terrible! Yeah. You got to keep reading. Well, the next one, what's wrong. the next one I see, thousand sats from anonymous through CurioCaster. Okay. Then we got nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine sats, niner 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 sats from Sir Spencer, who says, "Thanks again for hanging in the bull label, Kirby." <laughs> oh, it was a pleasure. Then Carolyn comes back again with uh, with an Intel number. 4004, like the processor, and she says, plug in the 4004. Then following that, another another anonymous 1,000 sats out of CurioCaster. Next, 5,000 sats from Carolyn, who's definitely, who's definitely, like, making sure that she is our top booster during the show, <laughs> saying, interpolate, learn something new every day, especially on show day. Thank you for the fun. Uh, next time I'll tell you about, uh, uh, I don't know, we could do a whole show on that. Word of about... the day on Rare Encounter. Next week I'll teach you about Shannon Nyquist. <laughs> next up, we got 3141 sats from Booberry. And he he hits me he hits me in the feels with uh, with this one, or in the, in the memes and memories. And that is, what is a number? A miserable little pile of secrets. <laughs> But enough boosts, uh, Booberry. Have at you. <laughs> then Roadux two 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 sats from Carolyn Blaney again with zap by the lightning, including the lightning emoji. Nice. And finally, we got from Netned four hundred twenty sats, and he said Geo Potato was a Steven Seagal character, I believe. <laughs> okay. There we go. Those are our during the show boosters. And thank you all of you for your contributions to keeping this sh- program on the air. Yes, yes. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. I think that's that's what I always say. <laughs> all right. What do you say we close this shindig up? Yeah, we got to we got to turn this all off and get ready for next week. Yes. Well, it's been a fun show. Start a little late. We went a little long to make up for it. I think it all works out. We're I'm good, the, yeah. Yeah. Got some stuff to do in the interim, so. Until next time. We might have to adjust it. We might have to adjust going forward now that we're back in the office. Yeah. But yeah. Adios, y'all. I'm cold acid. Yeah, stay fruity, boys. I had a good woman. But you lay down, honey, and die. Oh, I had a good woman, but she laid down and died. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't satisfied?